Good morning, everyone. I am Reverend Wendy Silvers, and you have arrived at the Awakened Mother Show. This is a safe and sacred space that is dedicated to the upliftment, the empowerment, and the inspiration for those that are engaged in the act of mothering. So we come together with enlightened uh, speakers, teachers, moms, dads, professionals that, that are dedicated to uplifting and empowering moms and children everywhere. And this morning, I'm so thrilled and divide. Oh, I want to also make a disclaimer that each and every person that is here represents their own personal beliefs. And as always, I invite you to do research. This is not medical advice, but this is inspirational advice. And so in keeping with the, with the theme of the show, it is about you learning how to access, empower, and trust the voice of wisdom within you that is in service to you and your children. So that being said, I'm going to dive in and tell you a little bit about my guest. So Laura Cattleman is a serial entrepreneur best-selling author, and advocate for healthier eating. Laura began building businesses post-college, first with Boston Brownie Company, a highly successful gourmet baked goods brand she launched in 1980, and then in real estate as the owner and manager of a multi-unit properties. In 2013, Laura revisited her passion for sweet indulgences as a bar and cookie co-packer where she became more aware of the negative effects sugar had on her diet. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about that. Noticing a void in the marketplace for better for you treats, she developed her own line of low sugar organic protein bars and launched the Boo Foods label in 2016. That's for you, Boo. Under Laura's vision and leadership, Boo Foods has grown to include refrigerated bars, cookies, spoonable cookie dough, truffles, and other taste-driven products that support a range of diets and dietary restrictions, and has nationwide distribution in retail giants including Whole Foods Global, Publix, Sprouts, Target, Walmart, Kihi, and Yunfi, UNFI. Laura also shares her thought leadership on breaking food addictions and healthier eating as the author of Skinny Thinking 2010, which is now a best-selling collection on Amazon. She launched Boo Foods in 2016 and currently serves as its CEO, I'm going to say CIO, Chief Inspirational Officer, and she developed her own line of low-sugar organic bars, and other snacks under Boo Foods and has been in production for the brand since 2016. She is impressive. She is inspirational. We, we have a lot of, of shared um, information that we will share with you. And uh, we, met, uh, we met through our devotion and dedication to uh, a phenomenal human named Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And I'm just so delighted to bring her to the stage Hello, Laura. Hello, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I've been looking forward to this day for a while. Oh, well, I'm just so delighted that you are here, that you are going, that we are going to dive deep into this topic around health and healthy eating, because as busy moms, it is such an important aspect of taking care of yourself and your kids to provide them 
with nutrition, nutritionally dense foods, and also to make sure that it's organic and healthy. You know, when you look at what's served at schools, right? Like, don't let, let us get started on that. Um, what's on, what's at schools and how kids just need that, that burst. So I would love for you to share about Boo Foods, which I love that name, and, uh, and also your path with stepping away from food and um, sugar addiction. Thank you. So yes, um, you and I both share the love of the mother. Yes. And um, Boo is actually a Sanskrit word that means earth or of the earth. And of course, mm -hmm. we know that the earth is the ultimate mother, you know, yeah. to whom we owe reverence, allegiance, gratitude, all of that. So the inspiration for starting the company was honoring the mother. Mm. And um, so that all of the ingredients in the foods that we make are, first of all, infused with the love and nurturing of the mother energetically, as well as, you know, the ingredients being, you know, super clean label, pure, supportive, um, you know, all having strong nutritional value, no junk, no fillers. Because when I, when I started the company, the feedback I was getting is, first of all, you can't start a bar company unless um, the ingredients cost no more than a quarter per bar. What? And it's like, I can't put sawdust into a bar for a quarter. It's like, there's nothing that I would want to eat. There no, there's no bar out there that I would want to eat if the ingredients were cost a quarter. No. So, so I had the opposite paradigm, which is how can I make these the most nutritionally dense, the healthiest, taste great, but no compromise in terms of health. Is that, is that possible? So that was the internal challenge. So there's no compromise on the taste party in the mouth side, and there's no compromise on the nutrition and either. Wonderful. So, so I know that your book speaks about uh, uh, sugar-free or freeing yourself from that addiction to sugar. Will, will you share a little bit about your journey with that, please? That is a, that is a sad tale. That's like, um, so in it's my- very redemptive because look what, look what emerged out of that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know how when you live your life, you don't know what's going to come up next. You, you might feel directionless, but somehow when you look back, it's almost like you can see all the breadcrumbs and how everything was together. Yes. And that's, I think, very true of my life. But in my family, you know, it's like everybody thinks their family is normal, like everybody else's family is like that. So in my family, um, sugar was a food group. You know, <laughs> we had this, you know, like in most kitchens, floor to ceiling pantry where people put their staples, the rice and the beans and the soups. And in our pantry, it was floor to ceiling candy, chocolates, you know, just sweets. And, and, but, and I, I realized that that wasn't normal when my friends would come over and they were happy. I always wanted to come to my house because of that. There were no restrictions on that cabinet. 
And then in the garage, we also had a full size freezer, like, you know, like a refrigerator size freezer. And in there we had our ice cream and these were not the half gallons that you get in the supermarket. We actually went to the thrifty stores as if we were running an ice cream shop to buy wholesale five gallon tubs of ice cream. And this is like, you know, we had a family, we had a family, you know, four kids and parents, so not a huge family, but it was just every opportunity to eat, eat ice cream. After school, you'd eat ice cream, big bowl of ice cream. After dinner, big bowl of ice cream. So that was, that was my life. And it was, it seemed, everything seemed fine until it wasn't fine. So for some, some reason, my siblings didn't really get addicted to sugar, but I did. So I think there's, there's a relationship between your frequency of consumption and just the volume of consumption that leads to that addiction. Mm. Mm. So it's fascinating to, to, to hear that. Um, I think some of us have that addictive, that addictive gene that, that other people can have it and they don't have any kind of issue and then other people do. And uh, it's fascinating too, to, I can't imagine growing up like that. I mean, I started my first diet when I was 12 and I did not need to be on a diet, but I remember, you know, there was, there was so much emphasis on the body in my home and uh, being, being overweight was not, was not a good thing. That was just like not a good thing. And my, my, uh, my grandfather was uh, a compulsive overeater and, uh, and early on had been a, you know, well, that's for another story. So, so it's fascinating. So what led you to, because I know that with, with the experience of addiction, it becomes so, it takes over your life because it's constantly, you know, like talking to you. Um, what was it that allowed you to transform your life? Was it your spiritual practice? What was your, what was your, like, I, you know, this is just, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Well, just, well, first of all, I just wanted to say that, you know, you, you and I've spoken before this and there's so many points of alignment in our, in our histories and our being. So this is just another one, Wendy. It's like in my family, being overweight was not an option. I had 300, you know, members of the extended family and one person was overweight and mm -hmm. everybody talked about that one person. Right. And then my mother, who's a twin, who has a very different body type from mine, she was just kind of straight up and down, very, mm -hmm. you know, ectomorphic thin body type. And she was a dancer. So she was very thin and I also danced. So in dance, you weighed in once a week. And so I was constantly getting the feedback that I needed. Well, I was fine as a kid, but then there was, you know, that kind of puberty thing happened. And then all of a sudden I couldn't eat the same way, you know, without gaining weight. That's amazing. So I was a figure skater and a gymnast and uh and and then i started dancing when i was little and i went back to it later but i also remember there was a period of time where my body changed and i was still really thin but my my coach 
would say to me like, okay, you know, so um, looking good, looking good. It was like a really big deal. And I have, I have this, um, this memory. I actually just shared it with somebody recently and they, they, they laughed um, in identification. So when I went away to college and uh, I was in Manhattan and uh, my parents came to have lunch with me <laughs> and I was wearing this beautiful silk animore. I think it was like an animore dress, you know, with my favorite wedgies. And I, you know, I thought I looked really, I didn't have any makeup on because I'm not a big makeup person. You know, I'm kind of that like very, you know, crunchy granola, but I like to get waxed and, you know, get my nails <laughs> done or something like it's like I, you know, I'm not that kind of woman. And so, um, my mom greets me and she looks at me and she first, she's like, oh, have you gained weight? Oh, <laughs> and don't you want to wear makeup? Like, I was just like, hi. It reminded me so much of that opening scene in the movie, The Mother with Albert Brooks. Did you ever see that movie? No, I don't. Debbie, oh my gosh. For me, it made me laugh. Like my husband often says, I've never heard you laugh like that because it's called The Mother with Debbie Reynolds. And her son drives from, Albert Brooks drives from Los Angeles to, uh, to San Francisco, I think it is. And, uh, you know, straight, which is a long drive. And she has, the, it's two sons and I, she favors one of the, you know, one of the other kids um, pretty clearly, but he, he arrives after, you know, this really long drive and he gets out of his car and walks up and she's like, oh, hi, honey, I'm on with your brother. Oh, you look so tired. <laughs> You know, it's like, geez, Louise, you know? So I appreciate what you said. And then you decided, you decided you were going to break the cycle, it sounds like, of what? Well, it took me a while to suss out what the issue was. Mm. So at first, okay, so like in, you know, in dance school, in high school, that the teacher, you know, I remember going up to the teacher and saying, okay, so you say, I, I weigh too much. So what should I do? And she said, well, you should do pushaways. And I said, pushaways? What are pushaways? Push yourself away from the dinner table. Like basically stop eating so much, you know. Oh, that's great. Okay. So then I, I started dieting. And I remember, and because I had a driver's license, I would sneak away to go to these diet doctors who gave you pills and who knows what was in the pills and injections and none of it mattered. What, what I knew mattered was having my body look the way, you know, my family thought it should look, society thought it should look. And it was also the seventies when Twiggy, you know, uh, the, the style was being very thin and that's not my body type. Interesting. Gosh, it's so, it's just so insidious we both have daughters and i know for me i i set the intention very clearly that i wasn't going to make comments about my body and say things or about weight or anything like that um, as my daughter was growing up because i didn't want her to um ha carry that with her and it's it's ironic because i think she's got a lot of body positivity as a result of that. But yet sometimes she'll get on me like, mom, stop, you know, and I'll be about what I'll say, like if I put something on or, you know, aging is a really interesting experience for a woman. 
And so, you know, there'll be sometimes I'll be like, oh, wow, look at that or something. So it's so important to really pass on healthy messages and healthy eating, which is why I love that you created. I mean, you're a phenomenal businesswoman and a heart-centered businesswoman. And, and, you know, as a serial entrepreneur and the work that you do today and both in your your volunteering and then also in, in the business. And I love that you created this line to assist mothers and, and parents, you know, and busy people with Boo Foods, but also for kids. Because I remember this very, very specifically. So... I breastfed my daughter for three years and oh the first, yeah, the first year of her life, I did not introduce sweets. I introduced, first I introduced vegetables and then I introduced some fruits. I mean, it, you know, I wasn't rigid or anything. It was very healthy. And then she went to a birthday party of a friend's who's the mother of her own acknowledgement said she had food issues. And, you know, and I was like, okay, well, we all have something like, you know, Clearly, you're aware of it. You're addressing it. And I walked into the birthday party. My child had never seen that much sugar. It was probably akin to what you were talking about, like the pantry. There was so much sugar. And I was that mother that brought organic, healthy desserts to the party. And my daughter would be like, please, mom, can I please, mama, can I have like something? And it was really challenging to to like provide that but boo foods doesn't look different it's beautiful i've seen it at whole foods so can you say a little more about the composition of of the protein bars and the variety and what your experience has been with um moms and kids absolutely and and we're just breaking into that market we really haven't marketed ourselves to moms and kids and, and, you know, and I think this is the first year we've kind of asked the question, why aren't we doing that? Because if you walk down, you know, the kids aisle, the baby's aisle, it's, you know, it's the same products, you just double the sugar. And that made no sense to us, um, you know, and so given our, um, our core values as a company, our brand promise of, having the taste experience not they're not being a compromise in the taste experience we thought why not and we and we do have you know history with friends who have kids who are not addicted to sugar now who are happy to have you know boo bar ice cream boo bar is fine you know i'm happy to have the boo bar as the exchange so that that's so gratifying because it was because it wasn't for me it wasn't until gosh 2008, I think that I realized that my problem was really sugar. I, mm -hmm. I thought I was just a compulsive overeater, you know, stuffing down the feelings with food. But then when I looked at the food that I used to stuff, it was always, you know, sugar, where the primary ingredient was sugar. Interesting. So well, that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. That's a big journey, actually. I remember reading uh, Betty Davis's book, Sugar Blues. Mm. Do you know about that book? No, I don't. Oh, maybe not Betty Davis. Oops. Gloria Swanson. I think, it, oh, am I getting it right? Sugar yeah, Blues. I remember Sugar Blues came out. Yeah, Sugar Blues. And I think it was, I thought it was Betty Davis. 
I'll look it up. So excuse me, folks, I, I may have misquoted that. So I will find out and I'll put that in the liner notes. But um, really well-known um, actress wrote this book, Sugar Blues. And I definitely have a sugar thing. Like I have agave and honey and I mean, I eat very cleanly. But the thing about what you're talking about is so many foods, not only do they have sugar and white sugar, and then there's that misconception and conversation about whether or not there are, you know, sugar substitutes that, that, that metabolize in your body differently. But I definitely like, I love like potatoes and I love, you know, crunchy foods. And it's a big journey from going from a sugar based or laden diet. And when I say diet, I'm talking about food plan, like what's in your food, your normal food to to a non non sugar or can you say more because i think one of the things that happens is people think it's going to have no flavor but you talk about party in your mouth right so i mean you know there's no de denying that there's a pleasure aspect of eating you know but i think that my book skinny thinking is about parsing that mm -hmm. you know, like um you know, how, how we think about food. So mm -hmm. the relationship with food is like or any other relationship. So you have different relationships with your mother, your brother, your son, your friend, and you think about each of those people differently, right? You don't think about, you know, well, I, I won't go there, but, but so the way you think about those people is what creates the relationship. And the relationship with food is no different the way you think about it. If you see it as nice, nice tasting nutrition, it's very different than seeing it as a reward of, you know, fantasy pleasure. You know, how are you, how are you wrapping that? You know, what kind of story are you creating around it in your mind? And so if you, if you're thinking about food habitually as nice tasting nutrition, you probably won't have a problem problematic relationship with food. So for me, you know, I would wake up thinking about, okay, what can I have for breakfast? And then after breakfast, what can I have for breakfast dessert? I'm always <laughs> thinking about the next meal. So I'm thinking about it a lot mm -hmm. more than I, you know, more than really healthy to think about it. And I'm thinking about it romantically. So I'm romanticizing food instead of seeing it in terms of its functionality. So that was one thing to understand. So my book is really looking at, so you know, the, the title is Th Skinny Thinking. So it's not really talking about bodies. It's, it's, um, it's talking about the thinking. How do we think less about food and how do we think about it in a healthy way? And, the, you know, so if, if you're changing your eating habits, your, um, you know, you, you get down to a healthy weight. Oh, there, there I am. Okay. Oh, there's my, the, the cookbook. Can you see yeah. it? Is it? Can yeah. you read it? Is it backwards? Yeah, that's, that's the cook, cookbook that you on this. Ah. Yeah, this is, this is kind of the foundational book, the skinny. Thing. Oh, I got the, I got the, so the tape measures around the head. So it's looking ah. it's really about, um, doing an investigation and inquiry about how we're thinking about food. Mm -hmm. So, because that's the, um, that's the causation 
a troubled food relationship starts with there. Yes. Yeah. Right between your ears. Yes. And it's, and it's a habit. It's an emotional relationship with food that usually starts when we're very young. I mean, I remember getting upset and getting giant bowl of ice cream, going back into the back edition, watching TV, eating, eating that ice cream. So that was how I would, um, how I would take care of myself and kind of mother myself through, through that food, through that. Um, and so the impulse was a loving impulse to want to take care of myself. And at a certain point, you know, the teeter totter swank, you know, to the other side and, you know, the created this, um, you know, weight gain, low self-esteem, depression, you know, just a lot of emotional swings and negative consequences in my relationships. And so in 2008, I really had to, you know, kind of a reckoning with, it's like, I really have to look at how I'm living my life and, mm. and to make some changes because the consequences to my relationships were severe. Can you point. say more about that? Yeah. I mean, it really caused strained relationship with my marriage at the time and with my daughter, because I was just, not only was my weight yo-yoing, but my emotions were, you know, I was on top of the world. It, it just, my emotions followed the addiction cycle, of, mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, pain point, craving, indulgence in the addictive su substance, which for me was sugar, the momentary relief, the crash, the the pain um, that comes from that, you know, the self-loathing, self-deprecation from indulging and in being out of control around a food group. Um, mm. You know, and, and I think the, the other thing for, um, I think particularly women, because I think this is more, this is skewed more toward women, not entirely, but, um, we chastise and castigate ourselves for not being able to control ourselves around sugar when in fact sugar is a drug, it's not a food. It's designed to, um, there's no way to get satisfied from eating sugar. There's a satisfaction that comes from eating balanced meals that have the right nutrients and you know, fat, carbs, protein. But when you're eating sugar, you know, you can keep eating and your belly will be full and your mouth will still want more because it's not a food. Wow. That's so it's, you know, I, that's such a powerful encapsulation of the experience with sugar. I know that when I, when I eat jelly beans, I have that exact experience I'm not a big cake eater, but when I eat jelly beans, I just keep eating them, but I'm never satisfied. Wow, that's brilliant. And, 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 and we blame ourselves for that when in fact, it has nothing to do with us. It's just, it's the nature of the thing. You know, the nature of, of shooting up with heroin is it's a drug and it, it has this addictive, you know, um, quality to it. Sugar is no different than, than heroin in that way. It's highly processed. It's a drug. It's amazing. And then there's boo foods. 
Yeah. And then there's skinny thinking so that, and, and it's great because I, I got your actual cookbook. I have all these recipes. Okay. So uh, that's, it's really, I'm so glad that I got that so I can refer to that because, you know, one of what you talked about is that addictive cycle and it happens with relationships. It happens with substances, with processing that, that, you know, you're looking for something outside of yourself. So you indulge in it. And for that one you know, nanosecond or more, there's a sense of fulfillment. And then it's the crash and the self-loathing, the self-hatred. And then it begins again until you're having a relationship with this thing and, and not the humans around you. It's so true. It's kind of like I was so addicted that I walk into a party and Everybody else is focused on the people. I'm focused on the dessert table. That's <laughs> where my attention just goes right there. Oh, that's tough. And, that's and I think that there's such a, um, a clear overlap between, you know, mindfulness, meditation practice, inquiry, and, you know, looking at addiction, you know, to see the intersection there because there's um, a delusion that happens with addiction. So in its in its an egoic relationship, we get hooked on the thin sliver of truth around food, which is that it's that it that it tastes good. But we exclude, you know, so we have this very myopic experience of the sugary food rather than seeing the whole picture, the whole truth of what it means to overeat that food which is, you know, the self-loathing, self-deprecation, the weight gain, the, you know, unhealthy um, experience in the body of overeating that food. Um, so it's just, we're, we're not telling ourselves the truth. So that's part of what the book is about is telling ourselves um, the whole truth about the experience rather than the ego's version of the truth, which hooks us that kind of um, the immediate gratification piece of it rather than, you know, you overeat this and then here's your experience over the next couple of days. Mm. So I just want you all to take a breath with me because that was some powerful teaching right there. That is so profoundly true. And it is the mindfulness that when you can sit in the stillness, and be an observer, which takes practice. Because when you first start to meditate and engage in a mindfulness practice, you're very much in it. But then when you sit and you allow yourself to go beyond, you can watch, you can watch the thoughts literally move through your awareness without attaching to them, which is why the Quakers or, you know, in terms of finding solution, that sitting in the, for those 20 minutes before anything starts is like this antidote to the insanity of self-will run riot that is evident in our society with the, with the saturation of handheld devices and tablets as a way of receiving nurturing food. I mean, it's, it's, 
very profound. That is a really profound way to break it down, Laura. I love what you just said. The self will run riot and the beauty of the, of the mindfulness and just taking a minute to take a breath and get still mm -hmm. and detaching from all of that stimulus. Well, it's really difficult to think clearly when in the throes of an addictive process. You know, there's, a, there's an old saying in Alcoholics Anonymous, and it is, the person takes a drink, the drink takes a drink, the drink takes the person. Mm. And it's that, that it, it's progressive, and it's that process of whatever that thing is, replace drink with think. Person takes a think, the thing takes a think, the thing overtakes the per, you know, takes the person. And as I'm in this conversation with you, what I'm hearing underneath this is the opportunity for spiritual evolution, for spiritual growth and unfoldment through this process of recognizing that there is something outside of oneself that is leading the way. It's just like I, I may have shared with you, I don't want to be at war with myself anymore. So I made a, you know, an active decision. I, I'm not at war with myself. So I really got tired of, of hearing like the ego does this and the ego does that. And you're, you know, because I have an ego that is never going to go away. But there's a, there's a transitory experience of this ego willfulness. And I renamed it. I did a talk recently and I said, easing grace out <laughs> or evolutionary growth opportunity. Mm. You get to choose because we can't, it's just like the shadow there are parts of us that we do not really love that when we see it, we're kind of, I'll speak for myself. There are parts of myself that when I have seen them emerge or I'm like, Ooh, mm, uh, but if I keep being at war with myself, then I'm fragmented and I can't live a whole life that way. So this choice that you made, right, to step away from sugar and have a different way to create this cookbook, to create this beautiful book, to replace the thoughts that this sugar is going to saddle, is going to mother me. You've chosen a new way to mother your, remother yourself. Well, it's asking the question, is that really true? I believe this. I'm, I'm behaving as if this is true. Right. Is, is it really true? Right. And just um, being sort of, you know, prosecutorial around it and, and, and doing that kind of, um, you know, deposing myself. Is that yeah. really true? Yeah. And, yeah. And I love, it reminds me of Byron Katie's work. Yes. Right. Yeah. I love is that. This, yeah. Is this yeah. true? This is absolutely true. You know, and, and what's so wonderful about what you're offering people is you're offering them an opportunity to make a different choice. It's it's true. It's kind of once that inquiry happens and there's a crack of doubt, it's like, okay, I'm operating as if this is true. 
But then when I investigate, I find that, gee, it's not necessarily true. So that creates this crack of doubt. And then the whole thing just kind of falls apart at that point. And I'm glad you, you brought up Byron Katie because her, her work played a huge role mm. in, in um, the evolution of my experience and of this book. So, and I, and I relate to what you were saying about the ego too, because it's like it served, you know, it was a loving impulse when we were little a loving and protective impulse. So there's no point in, you know, in making it, making it the devil, demonizing that. Yes. I mean, I have done that. I don't know about you, but I have been my judge and my jury for decades. I mean, and I have not been lenient. <laughs> I'm, I am not a lenient, lenient judge and jury towards myself. I am towards other people, which is why I can do the work that I do. But I, along my journey, I really got to see like, whoa, wait, you know, back up. Like, what are you doing to yourself? Yes, yes. And it's it's interesting too. I think that as girls and as women, we um, we do that to ourselves. It's it's part of our nature. I think the politeness training that we receive as girls, you know, and, and how we're taught to be, you know, kind outside always. Um, you know, now is the opportunity to turn that around and be kind inside. Yes, yes, and. One of the ways you can do that is with the the product line that you're offering people that opportunity to be kind because when you provide that nutrient dense food that tastes good, you satisfy those the taste buds because I know um, so I use these superfoods. And I have done 10 day cleanses that where I'm just primarily, you know, shakes and supplements and, you know, little bit of food. Uh, and by the, by the time the 10 days end, I don't have a desire for sugar. I don't have that, you know, that, that need to have the processed sugar. I love, you know, the fruits and all that vegetables. So when you eat, a, a product, when you ingest a product like Boo Foods, you have the opportunity to retrain, retrain your taste buds. It's and really true. It's, it's amazing how adaptable taste buds are. People don't yeah. think that, but it's kind of like a habit, you know, at three weeks to change a habit. Taste buds change really quickly. Yeah. And you can learn to enjoy things that you never thought you would. Yeah. I love in, uh, well, as, since I thought I had your book, I was reading it and it, and I, about where you say you have boiled eggs and potato, like you always have that on hand, eggs and, and potato. Do you still do that? I don't actually at this, at this point, um, my, my diet has changed and I don't really, um, I really limit carbs more and I don't, I don't eat eggs anymore. I'm pretty vegan at this point. Oh, that's great. Um, that's just, it dropped away for me. It wasn't, wasn't so much a conscious decision. Um, but, you know, in terms of just 
the moving away from sugar, it was really an interesting experience. I just want to share a little bit about that. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. Because I remember my editor when I was writing the book and we were talking about um, dropping sugar. She's like, don't say that. You know, people don't want it. People don't want to hear about eliminating sugar, that cutting down, restricting. Yes, but not eliminating. But what I found was every time I tried to limit my intake of sugar, I couldn't do it. And then I would put myself down for not having enough willpower to be able to do it. And yet when I eliminated sugar, it was so much easier than trying to cut it down. Because when you eliminate something, you stop thinking about it. And if you stop thinking about it, you can't desire it. Desire comes from thought, right? So and if you can't desire it, there's no suffering. Suffering comes from desiring something that's not there, that's not available. Yes. So my experience is it's a heck of a lot easier to eliminate sugar than to cut it, cut back on it. And I'm not talking about not eating Thai food or something. It's where sugar is the primary ingredient, you know, like a cupcake or, or a cake or cookies or something like that or a donut. Mm. I don't do that, those anymore. That's great. Well, I know that uh, organic and non-GMO glyphosate-free foods and oftentimes uh, vegan ingredients are very good for most everybody's bodies. So, and it makes sense about the elimination. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's, you know, and it remind, I'm refer, I don't know why I'm referring to it, but, you know, if you think about like AA or you think about other substance uh, or process addictions, it's, it's a lot more difficult when you're, you know, uh, limiting it. And, uh, and so I, I appreciate what you're sharing. And also, you know, the thing about food is it's food, just like money, is something that you deal with every day, in and out, throughout, you know, your entire day, you're dealing with this. So to get a handle on it and to have something you can reach for that's really healthy is so paramount. So can you tell people how they can connect with you and Boo? You and Boo? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we have a website. It's um, BHU is how you spell our name. So uh, Boo Foods with an S.com is our website. We're on Amazon as well. We're also in Whole Foods and Sprouts, um, Jimbo's in the south, Southeast. We're in Publix. We're in Wegmans on the East Coast. We're in Natural Grocers across the, um, the West. So a lot, a lot of places to find us. We're in all of the Whole Foods or should be in all of the Whole Foods. Okay. That's the country. Well, what a businesswoman. I mean, I, I, I want to talk to you about that being, was your daughter young when you started your own, I mean, your businesses? Did your daughter grow up with a working mom she or did, did you transition? She did. I remember when I had... The, the business on the East Coast with the really decadent brownies, Boston brownies, going to, and we had different bakeries that would make the batter for us and ship in the batter, and then we'd bake it off in the store. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into the back room and sitting on a pallet of, of bags of flour nur um, nursing her. Oh, wow. It was like she just was, I took her everywhere with me when she That's was little. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. Well, well I think I a non sequitur that I want to mention. Yes. Forget that I just learned about yesterday that um, just something to watch out for, because I would imagine a lot of your viewers are into organic food. Yes. Something else, you know, you feel safe when you're eating something and it has that organic label. There's something new that Bill Gates is the source mm -hmm. of. There's a label on your vegetables and fruits. I think it says Paro or something. It's a green label. It's different than appeal. Oh, is that what it is? Is that? Yes, appeal. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you already know about it. To oh, watch. No, but please, please tell everybody because I haven't spoken about it with them yet. So please. Yeah, my understanding is it's on the food. It's got this um, coating that is supposed to be citric acid based. But then if you look at the ingredients, it doesn't name all the ingredients. Mm. And then there are instructions that when you get this, you just wash it off with soap and things like that. So to, to be mindful of that, yeah, that that label. So I'm going to make sure I don't buy anything that has that label. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. Thank you so much. It's so important. I want to make sure everybody has that information. So I want to thank you, Laura. I know that we're going to have more conversations because I would love to ha have you share Um at another time about your experience building a business and having, you know, having a, a business that, that blossoms, right? It's so important for all the moms here that might be thinking how I have an idea, how am I going to do this? So thank you for Boo Foods and thank you for thank your you. book. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. This has been so much fun to talk to you and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you. Me too. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. And so everyone, as always, I invite you to remember that you are powerful beyond measure, loved beyond description, and a force for good in the world. So go forth and spread your magic. Like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Peace and many blessings. Thank you. Mm -hmm.